This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. And welcome back to the latest Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm your host, Matt Addison, with Paul Gorst and Ian Doyle alongside me to reflect on Liverpool, of course, making the Carabao Cup final first and then second ahead to that game with Crystal Palace to come this weekend. The only place to start, though, Gorsty, is at the Emirates, where Liverpool won 2-0 on Thursday night against Mikel Arteta's side, setting up a date with Chelsea in the final. Two really nice goals from the Reds and across the course of the two legs, they thoroughly deserve to, to get through to that final. I think so, yeah. I don't think Arsenal troubled Liverpool too much did they, over the course of the 180 minutes. Um, we, we spoke at length in me last week about how disappointing that first leg was. Liverpool played over two-thirds of the game with a man, le- a man more and struggled to really make that numerical advantage count. But I thought yesterday they were, they were terrific. Kind of weathered a bit of an early storm from Arsenal with uh, Martinelli in particular down that uh, left side for Arsenal. But after about 10 minutes or so, Liverpool got into gear, started getting on the ball a little bit more and carved Arsenal open. Uh, brilliantly with the first goal, wonderful touch from Firmino for Trent Mosner, who found himself once again in a central area, which seems to be a bit of a theme for him this season. Plays into Jota, who, who was just superb on the night. And um, Once Liverpool got that goal, I never really felt that Arsenal were going to get back into it, to be honest. Um Liverpool should have made it 2-0 in the second half with Kay Gordon, Canati um, at the post. And then Jota finished it off, didn't he, with a, a superb finish, took it on his chest and then just dinked it over Ramsdale. And it's a big night for him because <clears throat> Liverpool obviously haven't had Salah or Mane for, what, two weeks is it or so now. And Liverpool kind of <clears throat> done okay but struggled in, in other areas. You know, they beat Brentford 3-0, but there was times in that game when you were wondering... Are they going to break them down? The, obviously, the Arsenal game, as I mentioned, the first leg. Shrewsbury was a, a comfortable one, but um, I felt that he really stood up and, and was counted when he had to be, you know, when it came to crunch time. And he's just a player who's gone from being a potential, um, you know, someone who's going to be able to contribute in this Liverpool squad to someone who's just an absolute star within it now. And you look across the, the last few years in terms of recruitment, Liverpool haven't made too many mistakes, have they? But I think Jota, probably one of the biggest success stories, certainly since, you know, summer of 2018 onwards, when obviously Liverpool brought in Alisson, Van Dijk and Fabinho. <clears throat> from from that summer window onwards, you'd argue that Jota has been the biggest success story on the incoming front. And you're looking at him now, and, and for me, he's, um, he's clearly ahead of Firmino in the pecking order, and Liverpool's front three is now... Jota, Mane and, and Salah and I think that'll be the team that takes to the final uh, next month against Chelsea, you know, if everyone's fit. Yeah, Diogo Jota doily the, the outstanding talking point really in terms of, of the two goals. We'll come on to a, a few other players as well but I'll let you have your, your say on, on him as well because it, it felt like a, a big moment for him. He's won't have, have played in too many semi-finals, hasn't done obviously for, for Liverpool. It, it felt like he really stepped up at an important time. Yeah, I mean, Liverpool didn't start the game particularly well. Um, it seemed a bit slow and unsure as to what was going on. And it was Jota and you know there was one or two others who we'll talk about in a bit who kind of took the fight to them. And I uh, wasn't really surprised that he was the one that was the goal threat, certainly at the uh, in the first half. Um, just just, just talking, I mean, I mean, what's quite funny as well, he's, he's a proper wind-up, isn't he? I mean, look what he did yeah. when 
he scores the first goal, he goes up to the, the you know the Arsenal fans and gives them the ear like he did against uh, like he did against Leicester. Leicester in the quarter final. Yeah. Um, just on another side, uh, Arsenal did the normal ticket sold thing. They said there was 50, something like fifty nine thousand six hundred tickets sold, and I can tell you now. And um, to be fair, with probably a good reason, there must have been about five or six thousand empty seats in there. Certainly in the top tier, it was nowhere near full. Uh, but obviously the game got rearranged, didn't it? Pretty last minute. It was meant to be played two weeks ago. So there is that. Just uh, just going back to Jotty, yeah, he's um, it was the way he took his second goal was quite quite telling as well because you know we've seen him as <clears throat> it's a little bit like he scored the goal in against Arsenal at Anfield, where rather than just you know it was it was a good piece of skill he put down one defender. I think I can't remember it was maybe Ben White, and then uh, he put Ramsdale on his backside and then and then put it into the goal and. In some ways, that was a little bit like the second goal, only in the sense that it showed his composure. You know, when he, he he does the hard bit really in chesting the ball down, and then he's he's just faced with Ramsdale, and it's like, what's he going to do? And you know, Ramsdale being Ramsdale went for the spectacular dive in his his feet, and I think Jota saw him coming a mile off and just lifts the ball over him, and it kind of only just barely got over the line, which was a little bit like his first goal. Really, he's admitted, hasn't he, that he completely missed it that first one, but he probably. Uh, Deserved uh, that bit of luck purely on the, the basis of his run and uh, the the K Gordon chance in the second half. Obviously, that came from Jot as well, getting down the left. So it will be interesting to see. You know, what was that 14 goals now this season? I think 14. There can't be many players in the Premier League who've scored more than that. So yeah, Liverpool have got, you know, as Gorsi said, the 40 million, 41, what is it, 45 possibly in the end million pounds that Liverpool are going to give to Wolves. It's good, good value because while he's not quite as a good overall player as Firmino and probably never will be in terms of just overall standard of play. I think um, in terms of actually just getting in the box, running at players and scoring goals, he's probably he's probably better than him. Yeah, 13 goals it was last season for Diogo Jota, 14 already this season. So one up on, on last season already at, at this point. Uh, another sort of key player in terms of, of both of those goals, Gorsi, was Trent Alexander-Arnold, who I thought mm. offensively, obviously, we know exactly what he brings to the table. I thought he did pretty well, actually, against Gabriel Martinelli as well after a shaky first couple of minutes, seemed to, to really get back to, to his game defensively as well. I thought just from start to finish, really, apart from those opening couple of moments, he, he was really exceptional. He was, yeah. Um, I just, I just love watching this, this young lad play. <clears throat> I, just, I can't believe he's only twenty-three. Um, seems to have been around forever. Two hundred Liverpool games now, is it? I think. Um, I, I mean, it's difficult to add on, on anything that I've already said about Trent Alexander-Arnold over the years, just because of how you know awesome a footballer he is, and he's going to be around for at least another decade, you'd imagine, with Liverpool. Um, and it's just going to be a pleasure to, to watch him grow and see his influence within the team continue to grow. Um, he's going to be a future Liverpool captain, convinced of that. Um, and he's one of those players who's got a rare quality. There's not that many players that as soon as he gets on the ball, no matter where he is on the pitch, <clears throat> you you kind of look on as soon as he gets possession and you're thinking, right, something's on. What's he seen? Where's he going to play this? And more often than not, he just picks something that no one else has seen and it's just absolutely on the money. There was a ball he played in the second half um, just before Minamino came on uh, and he gets down the line and he's right in front of where me and Doyle were sitting and it's just just arched right around the defenders, right into an awkward area. No one can defend it. Um, it's just a shame that no one could quite capitalise on it. It was an absolutely wonderful ball. and Yeah, he's, um, he's just an absolute credit to, to the city, isn't he? So, um, 
yeah, um, looking forward to watching him over the coming years. Yeah, absolutely not much more we can add to that as you say we've seen it so many times from him so consistent as well and in midfield uh Doherty, i think fabinho was was really good as well Klopp, i think said he had a, a proper knock at, at the end of the game but i'm sure he'll be okay moving forwards what did you make of, of his performance in the midfield i didn't think it was particularly great at the start i think he was like quite a few of the other ones he was all over the place i mean I don't know what Jordan Henderson was doing for the first half, but the majority of it. He seemed to be not able to find a position in which to play, and that kind of that hampered Fabinho a bit. Curtis Jones was the best one out of the three. I mean, Fabinho was a lot. Fabinho was a lot better second half. He got into, you know, more of those defensive positions. He kept on breaking stuff up, <clears throat> making good tackles, just annoying Arsenal basically, which is what he's there for. And uh, but no, of those midfielders, Curtis Jones was the the pick, which is interesting because obviously. It was only last week that uh, he came on against Arsenal, had a decent showing in the uh, coming. I think he came on, on the left wing, didn't he? And then the game against Brentford, he um, he was back in midfield. And I know that Matt, we've said this a few times, you quite like to see him on the left hand side, but I don't think he's going to end up being there. To be honest, there's too many Liverpool, there's too many players there that, that, that can play there. So he's no. so he's in midfield, and. It was, as I say, it, he had the, you know, Klopp revealed he had talks with him, didn't he? After I think it was after the Shrewsbury game, where he, we've mentioned this before, he had a word with him on the touchline during the game. You could quite forcibly putting a point across, and he seems to respond to it. And uh, I think, you know, Jurgen Klopp's on his press conference today, is reading some of the stuff that he said, and he said that he seems to be one of these players who he doesn't need telling, but he responds very well to a push every now and again. So for him to, you know, that. Klopp knows now that he has every now and again he just has to say something to him and he, and he you've seen with his performances against Brentford and against Arsenal and he does respond to that. I mean, I wrote a piece after the game just saying it was only like um, two and a half, no, it wasn't even two and a half years ago that Jones was scoring the winning penalty in that shootout against Arsenal in the in the League Cup, the five all game. That was his third game he'd ever played for Liverpool, you know and. You seem to forget just how far he's come in such a short space of time that he's he's transformed himself into this kind of you know squad regular, and it's somebody that same with Trent Liverpool if they if they want him he's going to be there for like another five ten years and they'll get even more out of him. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, I do like seeing him on the left-hand side. I do like seeing him in midfield as well, I should say that. I mean, it's it, it's just an option, isn't it, that you can can do both of, of those things. But, of course, there's other options, as as Doherty says. Obviously, yesterday, Gorsty, we saw Cade Gordon come into the team at a slight surprise inclusion to a, a certain extent. What did you make of, of his game? It, it maybe wasn't the easiest one to come into. We'll see better performances from him. But I still think you can see little bits of, of why Jurgen Klopp trusted him in a game like this. Yeah, it was, it was tough for him, wasn't it? Um, you know, first of all, he's, he's in the position that would normally be occupied by Mohamed Salah, um, and <clears throat> they just the, the players didn't really seem to give him an opportunity to to get on the ball and, and do what he's good at, which is primarily running that goal and causing defenders problems. Um, the passes seemed to be awkward heights in difficult areas on the halfway line. It's back to goal. He's got Kieran Tierney up against them and. Kind of just run into players who are a lot more experienced and, and a bit more powerful, you know, men essentially, as, as opposed to boys who was usually playing within the 18s and, and the 23s. But, um, yeah, he, he can reflect on a big night in, in his career. He should have scored, to be fair. He, he should have pretty much put the tie beyond doubt 
uh, 10 yards out and he put it over the bar. But um, you can easily see why he's so highly rated. Um, you know, he's been at the club a year now and probably even he didn't think that he'd be starting a League Cup semi-final when he came in from Derby last year. But he's got championship experience. Um, he's now got Premier League experience, of course. And yeah, he's, he certainly wants to keep an eye on over the next few years. And, and if you think, you know, in, in five years' time, he's still only going to be 22, approaching 23. So he's got so much time and space for him to develop um, at a pace that suits him. And I think he will be a player to to, to get excited about. Um, yeah, it looks like Liverpool have got themselves in a, another gem in the ranks there. And um, Klopp never, never worried about throwing a youngster in at the deep end as he's done it with Trent, he's done it with Curtis Jones and uh, if Kate Gordon is good enough, he'll do it with him as well. Yeah, plenty to be excited about in terms of, of Kate Gordon, Doidy, but in terms of Takumi Minamino, I mean, it's it's no real shock that Jurgen Klopp didn't seem to, to trust him or didn't want to, to see him in the, the team, but this was kind of a, a month in which Salah and Mane are missing. You hoped that possibly Minamino could step up and it just didn't quite happen for him over the last couple of games. Obviously, wasn't picked here and Cade Gordon was. What do you think it, it sort of says for, for him long-term or, or does it just reinforce what we already knew? Well, it can. Don't forget, he was this time last year, he was just about to be sent off on loan to Southampton. I don't think anybody thought we'd ever see him again from in a Liverpool shirt. But, you know, he has, so we have to give him credit for that. Um, yeah, I do think that with me and me, you know, to be honest, when we'll get on the team later, I wouldn't be surprised if he played against Crystal Palace, for example. There's every chance he could do that. Um, I just think he got... When, when Gordon was named in the starting lineup, we thought we thought basically that he wouldn't last the 90 minutes and Minamino would definitely come on around the hour mark. And I do think that uh, it is going to be tough for Minamino now because basically the next... After the weekend, you'd imagine one of Salah or Mane will be back, given the way that Senegal and Egypt haven't been particularly great in the African Cup of Nations, African Cup of Nations so far, which means it's going to make it even harder for him to get into the team. So, with the League Cup being, we've only got one game left now, the final against Chelsea, which I'm sure a bit nearer the time we can have a big debate over who should be playing in that game. I know that that's going to be uh, pretty interesting. You know, if, if Salah and Mane, who haven't featured all season, just like come in and pop in for the big game and all the others don't play. I'm interested, but uh, yeah, there's an FA Cup game coming up, isn't it, against Cardiff? He's probably going to play that, so he could play against Crystal Palace. So there's still going to be chances for him, and he'll get chances later on in the year if if, if Liverpool get do quite well in the uh, in the Champions League. So I, don't, I wouldn't. It's been frustrating for him because he got injured, didn't he, at the wrong time? He got injured at the start of the month or just at the end of um, just after Christmas, and that kind of put him back a little bit. And you could possibly see that Klopp would have preferred to say play him against Shrewsbury, and he didn't by not playing him against Shrewsbury. Gordon plays, Gordon scores, and suddenly he's kind of gone up a level. And it's just not exactly sliding doors moments, but it's just an example of how being injured at the wrong time, even if it's only for like a game or two, can have a massive impact on someone's career. Just before we uh, move on from Arsenal, Gorsty, I wanted to ask you about Gabriel Martinelli, someone that Jurgen mm. Klopp picked out unprompted at the end, which I thought was was interesting. What did you make, first and foremost, of, of Jurgen Klopp doing that? And, and also, what did you make of, of Martinelli's performance? Um, well, Klopp was also talking about him again today in, in the press conference, um, talked him up about how he's going to be a, a really top player. So, um, clearly, he's a player who, who Liverpool's staff think is going to be a good player. Um, he kind of fits the mould 
of what Liverpool would be looking for, doesn't he? You know, a young player who they can come in, you can come in and, and mould them, and and you can be any, any type of player you want. So you, you get the impression that Liverpool kind of cursing their luck that Arsenal got there before them, before them for Martinelli because he, he ticks a lot of Liverpool boxes. Um, yeah, under Arteta, he seems to be getting regular game time, doesn't he? And, and seems to be uh, one of the emerging stars of an Arsenal team that's kind of changed tack in, in recent months. Um, obviously, there's a lot of faith trusted in young players now, Smith Rowe, Saka, Martinelli. They're very much the, the future of, of that football club. And he's at a very good club to um, to play every week. You know, a massive club. Um, and he can kind of develop and, and improve. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how old he is. He's 19, 20, something like that. 20, I think, yeah. Yeah, so um, it will be interesting to to keep an eye on him over the next few years and see how he develops. And no doubt about it, I'm convinced that, um, well, Jürgen Klopp said that himself, he's, he's a big fan of the player, but I do just feel that um, perhaps Liverpool's recruitment team think that was one that got away. Yeah, certainly would have a, a big price tag attached to his head these days, I'm sure. But uh, as Jurgen Klopp was keen to, to point out, still six or seven games to go before the Carabao Cup final. Obviously, the first of those is Crystal Palace this weekend. Just to stay in London as well, Gorsty, I'll come back to you. I know you wrote something on Fabio Cavallio over the last couple of, of days. I wanted to, to get a quick word on, on him before we, we moved on as well. Obviously, Liverpool, one of quite a few uh, teams that, that would be quite keen on, on him. Yeah, very much so. Um, similar kind of profile to, to the one I mentioned with Martinelli there. He's, he's 19 years of age. He's got limited Premier League experience, but he has played before performing in the Premier League. Four appearances, I think, in the season they were relegated. And he seems to be um, <clears throat> being given the chance to, to flourish this season with Marco Silva. Um, I think he's played 16 times and, and he scored seven or eight goals, which is an impressive return for a 19-year-old in such a kind of unforgiving <clears throat> league as, as the Championship. But they're absolutely flying, aren't they? They've scored, what is it, 19 goals in, in the last three games, seven, six and six. Um, yeah, he's, he's had a foot injury which kept him out for a few weeks and, he, and he's had a COVID diagnosis as well. So um, he would have featured more had it not been for that, those. But he's a player who's, who's out of contract in the summer and it's been one or two questions over his, um, his representatives. I think he... Currently doesn't have any and, and he's waiting to see what his next move is and he's currently being kind of handled by his family, his brothers and his, and his dad, I believe. And yeah, he, he very much seems to fit the mould of, of what Liverpool are looking at, you know, in terms of Kate Gordon style, you know, player who, young player who's got a championship experience who they can bring to the club and kind of develop and improve and iron out one or two things and um, make him a star of the future. So it's uh, certainly one to keep an eye on, but what I was told yesterday is um very much a watching brief at the moment he's a player who is um an interesting prospect but liverpool are not um anywhere near to uh banging on fulham's door and you know putting in bids or, or anything like that but certainly um a, a player of interest yeah certainly one to keep an eye on at least over the next few months so we'll see what happens with that one but back to, to this weekend then crystal palace away of course doily for, for liverpool it's been a an interesting few months, I think, for, for Palace. They had a big summer, lots of, of changes, a new manager. What have you sort of made of, of them so far this season? Well, they played at Anfield, didn't they, and got beat 3-0, and I thought they were a bit unlucky to lose by that scoreline, so I was quite impressed with them. But it turns out that's what most of their games are like. They play quite well. They don't seem to get 
the gold perhaps that the play merits, which is a bit odd when you consider how much they spent on certain strikers and the ones they've still already got there, certainly attacking players, I should say. And then they tend to just leak the odd goal, which sees them lose. I mean, they won, well, they won at Man City, didn't they? They won at Man City 2-0. Uh, they beat anybody else decent? I don't know. I can't think. Um, they beat Everton 3-1. I know I watched that game. And, of course, the player that people are getting more excited about than anyone else is uh, Conor Gallagher, who isn't even a Crystal Palace player, is he? He's on loan from Chelsea. So he's been their main guy this season. Um, but to be honest, as I say, whenever I've seen Crystal Palace, they seem to be playing a dip. They're obviously playing a lot different kind of football than they did under Roy Hodgson the last season. Like, Vieira's coming in. He wants to be a little bit more progressive about things. And it's working to a point. And there's no way Crystal Palace are going down. They're good, and they're just going to end up in mid-table, which is where you kind of expect them to be. So what they are doing then is, is giving their supporters something to, um, yeah, something different. And we know what the fans are like at, at Sellers Park. It'll be a good atmosphere like it always is, except for last year when there was nobody there, Liverpool won 7-0, um, which I can tell you now that will not happen again. Uh, even Klopp said that, didn't he? He said it was like, what was he, was he a freak of nature or something like that? Yeah, it was, because uh, even even in that game, even at 1-0, I mean, Palace played quite well. And then Liverpool scored two, and then I think they got another one, another one either just before half time or just after half time, and then that was it. They were away, just just kept on scoring. So I think everybody knows it's going to be diff- a difficult game. But if you look at it, Liverpool's record at Crystal Palace is actually fairly decent in the last couple of years. So they'll look to keep that going. But uh, yeah, Crystal Palace, a team not so much in transition, but the more a team kind of moving towards somewhere else, you know, that they kind of putting not the past behind them, but they're kind of putting that Hodgson era to one side and they're kind of just moving over to what Vieira wants. And I actually think he's done quite well. Yeah, given the the circumstances, he's done okay. Since uh, Liverpool beat them, I think they've lost to, to Manchester United. They've lost to a couple of, of other teams that maybe you think they, they might have been able to do something against. Aston Villa, one of those teams, they've beaten the teams that you'd expect them to beat. It's probably just uh, about where they should be, Gorsley. But there are a, a few interesting players in there, obviously. Gallagher, Eze, Michael Alise is, is one that they've brought in as well. I think there's, there's a few players to, to look at and think that they are a much more interesting team to watch nowadays if nothing else oh 100 yeah i remember making this point earlier in the season when patrick Vieira took over um roy hudson has never been renowned for someone who's played the expansive attacking open football but palace have certainly got the personnel to, to be able to give it a go um, as you mentioned there alice saha edward conor gallagher is having a fantastic season there I, I imagine chelsea will be demanding full whack for him if they want to sell him um so there's there's quite a cast at Sellers Park to be um, exciting and, and entertaining, and I don't think they're any in any real danger of getting dragged into a relegation issue, and they're not going to be troubling the top six. So a bit of a free hit for Vieira just to go and and try and make uh, Sellers Park somewhere where you where you like to go to to see decent football. So Liverpool are going to have a you know a difficult um, difficult game on Sunday, but I sometimes think with Palace. They're often held up as a bit of a bogey team for Liverpool, but um, the reality is, is, is very different. Um, I remember writing something along those lines the last time they played. Was it the last game of the season? Liverpool won 3-0, was it? 2-0? Um, I'd, I'd have to go back and, and check those stats, but basically Liverpool haven't had any troubles against Palace for, for quite a while. And, and It might be famous last words, but um, I, I think... 
with Jota in this kind of form, if he's anywhere near 100%, I think Liverpool will have enough on Sunday. But it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be a different Palace to the one that they played in the last four or five years, certainly. I think there was a, a late penalty in there. There's been a 4-2, I think, down at Palace. Liverpool do have a, a decent record. Do you expect them to, to go there and, and win comfortably, do you think, Doily? Or are they going to make it a little bit more difficult, as, as Gorsty says? Maybe the, the pressure is off them a little bit this season. They're not going to go down, so maybe they can just express themselves a little bit more. It'll be absolutely nothing comfortable about going to that game. Absolutely nothing at all. I think it'll be a tough one. I think it'll be a harder game than the Arsenal game, to be honest. I think Crystal Palace will have a bit more bit more about them going forward. I think it'll be on Liverpool to, you know, I don't think Palace's defence, as kind of suggested before, is the best. So it'll be on them to kind of find a way through. Um, I think I think out wide will be interesting because obviously Robertson, if he plays, Robertson and Trent, they like to get forward. You know, I know Trent had a good game defensively. They both did actually. Have, well, Robertson didn't in the first 20 minutes. He had a bit of a nightmare against Saka, but then he got to grips with him. It wasn't just him, it was kind of the, him and Jones. There was a you know, they kind of helped each other out down that flank. Um, and Jota to a certain extent. But I think that they're going to be tested with the wide men for Crystal Palace, and I think that'll be a bit of a key battle because obviously Palace will want the forwards to occupy the fullbacks to stop the fullbacks, Liverpool's fullbacks becoming such a threat going forward. Because when you haven't got Salah or Mane, they become even more important than, than they have been in the uh, you know, earlier on in the season when we already know that they are important. So you know, that's where I think Vieira will look at and I'd expect that to be where the key battles are. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Absolutely. Well, with that in mind, we will pick our teams for the game. It'll be Alisson in goal, we assume, Gorsty, but could be one or two changes, do you think, across the back four? Yeah, I don't uh, I don't suspect that Joel Matter will be risked. I think Klopp said that it wasn't a tactical change, was it? And because they could make five subs, that they just thought, well, let's just not risk it and bring them off. So I think uh, I think Canate might start. Could be an opportunity for Simakas. We know the clock doesn't particularly enjoy the Thursday night, Sunday afternoon schedule. So um, that could be a potential change. But I thought Robertson was, was really good last night. So it's nice to have those options. But I think I might go Simakas for this one, give Robertson a little bit of a breather. Uh, Van Dijk again and, and Canate and, and Trent. Yeah, Doyle, it's it's an interesting one at left back, isn't it? I thought we might have have seen Simakas uh, on, on Thursday. To be honest, but Same as every week. I, I know, but I mean, there's I mean, there's obviously an argument to bring Simakas in for for this one, but then of course it's it's a couple of weeks after that that Liverpool play. So wouldn't you just keep Robertson in there? I don't know. It's it's a tough one. Depends. They do all the you've got the sports science, haven't they? They'll know that Robertson's played X amount of minutes over the past five day five weeks or whatever the hell it is, but. They'll, they'll they'll have something sorted because, you know, Simicast has proven himself to be quite an able deputy for Robertson. Obviously, he's not quite as good, but he's a lot better than he was when he when he first arrived. And he's he's probably Liverpool's best kind of other option at fullback that, that, that they've had, that they've had in, in, in quite some time on, e, on either flank. So I think that uh, I, I think Simicast will play, actually. I would anyway. I'd play him against Palace and... Yeah, Matip's not playing. I played Canati alongside Van Dijk and Trent. Yep, yeah, I'm in agreement. I'll stay with you for your midfield as well. I mean, Oxlade-Chamberlain was back running yesterday, but probably won't be risked. Who are you going to go for? Are you going to stick with Curtis Jones and Henderson and Fabinho or, or change it up? Well, I'm certainly going to stick with Curtis Jones and Fabinho. Um, in terms of the other player, 
tough one, really. Um, is Ox definitely out? He said um, he possibly could train on Friday, yeah. so today as we're recording yeah. it. But, so it's, I mean, it's he only got injured on Sunday. So if he's if he's making his if he's coming back on Friday, he's not going to have lost, lost much fitness, really. Yeah. So if he's if he's fit, he's, he's if he's running around and training on Friday, he'll be available. Basically, it's not like someone who's been out perhaps at the ages. Um, I'd probably start him uh, alongside, you know, say Fabinho and Curtis Jones. I think Jordan Henderson has looked incredible. Excuse me, incredibly tired <clears throat> the last couple of games. I think he probably needs a rest, and I know they're getting one anyway. For the next two weeks, certainly some, most of the players are, but I don't see any point in, you know, if, if this is a game where they can't give them a rest, because once this is over, then they've got, what was it, six, seven weeks of loads of Premier League games, Champions League starts, hopefully a couple of FA Cup games and a League Cup final. So it's there's quite a lot of games there. All the players will be needed. You know, I think Klopp said, uh, Pep Linder, sorry, said earlier this week that Thiago will be back very shortly. Rod specifically said that Origi will be back after Cardiff. Seems I thought it was a little bit odd. Um, how could he know that far ahead? Um, so, uh, yeah, Liverpool are getting some numbers back, but they need, they need to be alert because Palace, Palace didn't play midweek, did they? Palace haven't played. So. Don't think did so. Palace play last week? No idea. Let's. Uh... <laughs> we probably <laughs> should do a bit of research. <laughs> you talk between yourselves, and I'll find out. I'll find out. Um. I mean, it, it, it virtually picks itself, doesn't it? Um, Milner. <clears throat> I'd, I'd like to see Henderson get a rest, just because I think he's looked a little bit jaded of late. Um, but then again, you made a good point earlier, Matt, when you said, um, you know, this Liverpool's last game for what two weeks is it? Is it is it Leicester yeah. the next day or um, Cardiff? Cardiff, Cardiff yeah. And even then, you'd, you'd still imagine quite a fair few changes for that. So, um, yeah, they can have a rest on Sunday night. I'm going to go with um, Fabinho, Henderson, and Jones deserves to keep his place. To be fair, I think he's been very good the last few games. Yeah, I'm going to go with that as well. I think I do have a little feeling that it might be James Milner, but I'd rather see Jordan Henderson. I think so. Uh, yeah. I will go with him. Doyle, front three, Minamino back in. Um, if he got left, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, it'll have to be. It'll have to be that. I think Minamino, but of course, Minamino, that 7 0 was the the first time he, in fact, I can tell you that's the, that, that was his first Premier League goal he's got for Liverpool. That's the, I'm pretty sure that's the last Premier League game he started for them. That's how long ago it is. So that shows you kind of how he's not been involved as much as you might might think he he has been. As but obviously spent half the last season on loan at Southampton. But uh, yeah, it's got to be Minamino, Jota, and Firmino. I thought Firmino was good second half. Actually, kind of he struggled a little bit first half. But once he got, he, somebody must you know, Klopp must have said something to him. Or he just seemed to have a rocket up his backside in the second half. So I was quite impressed with him then. Um, and Firmino. 
Now, might be right here. I'm sure he scored a couple of goals at Crystal Palace. He certainly scored a winner at one point. So he doesn't mind playing in this game. You know, certain players have opponents they like to play against. I think Palace might be one. Well, he scored scored two, didn't he, in the 7-0. So he does like playing against Palace. Uh, Whether Jota's on the left or Minamino's on the left. Personally speaking, I've put Jota on the left and Minamino on the right. And I'm, I'm trying to remember. Did Mina Mina, he came on on the right, didn't he, last night? Yeah, yeah he it was did, a straight, yeah. straight swap, wasn't it? Yeah, so he can do it. And, you know, if they don't get so Liverpool don't get things sorted, it's, if, if Ox isn't playing in midfield, he could come on. He could even start there, I suppose, but I probably wouldn't do that. Um, and if I'm just looking at midfield, Tyler Morton, could he get a game? If, if oh, come on a sub, you know, so he, he's got a bit of energy. You know, he's got young legs, and we've seen with. Curtis Jones, what a difference that can make. But yeah, the front three is going to have to be those front three. But I'd have Jot on the left and Minamino on the right. Yeah, same for you, Ghosty. Again, not much choice, is there? Well, no, that's it, isn't it? Um, I was looking at the bench yesterday and, and Minamino was literally the only attacking sub. Um, I think um, um, Allison was the, the third top scorer on the bench. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. previously tweeted that, yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it, it has to be, doesn't it, really? Um, I'd be wary of starting Kate Gordon again. Um, nice to see him get some game time here and there, but preferably when the pressure's off and the games are won. Um, so, yeah, it has to be Minamino. I think this is this is a big game in the sense that it's the, probably the last game Liverpool have to muddle through, won't it? Yeah. They've, done quite, they've actually done quite well. Well, they got, they got through to the fourth round of the FA Cup. They won... They got into the League Cup final and they won the one Premier League game that they, they had to play and they won it fairly comfortably. So this is the last one. They could, if you just get through this, then I think Klopp will be well happy with what's happened in January. Yeah, absolutely. Not too long until Mane and Salah and Keita are all back. But uh, for this one, I'm going to go a 2-0 win for Liverpool. I think I can see them just about being comfortable. Not quite comfortable, but comfortable enough to get the three points. Gorsty, I'll come to you first. What do you reckon it might be? Um, it's not going to be seven nil, but I, I, I think Liverpool will um, will do enough. I think it might just be squeezed past them two one, maybe. Interesting, Doidy. I think it's going to be one of those proper struggle games um, that there seems to be a lot of uh, during the course of a season. I, I think Grugos. I think Liverpool will win two one, but if it ended up being one all, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, hopefully we're all right on the uh, the 2-1, 2-0 scorelines and plenty of build-up and reaction, of course, to come in all of the usual places. But for now, my thanks go to Ian Doyle and to Paul Gorse for joining me and, of course, for you two at home for watching and listening along. Until next time, it's goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.